Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. Today we've got a crazy story of setting a roommate's room on fire. But first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our first story of the day is crazy lecturer gave me an F in my final papers, so I dropped him halfway across the country. People do the worst things. This is a fact that I've known for a long time. But I never thought it was something that I'll experience firsthand, and I didn't. Not for a long while, at least. I never truly experienced the worst in people till I got to college. Final year, precisely, when one of my professors decided to give me an F because I turned in my paper one day late. I couldn't let it slide, of course. If he wants to mess with my life, I'm gonna mess with his too. But let's go into detail. I started college at the age of 19. A bit late, I know, but it couldn't be helped. I had to work for the whole year to pay off my mom's hospital bills. She had MS, multiple sclerosis, and she had an episode a few months before I got a scholarship to the college of my choice, and there wasn't anyone else we could depend on. My dad left while I was little, and other family members were pretty much non-existent. Money was tough in my family. I guess that's why my dad left. That or he didn't want to deal with having a kid, or a wife with MS. That's why I had to step up. She's all I got. Anyways, when my mom got strong enough, she returned to work, and I finally went to school. The first few weeks were fun. As a first-year student, you didn't really have much to do but go to frat parties, get drunk, and wake up in a stranger's toilet with no recollection of what happened the day before. This was exactly how most of my first year went. And because of the fact that I was an outgoing person, also a football jock, I had a lot of friends and over a dozen love interests. I was even loved by a lot of professors. By the end of the first semester, I got initiated into one of the frat houses on campus, got bumped up to starter on the football team, and even started dating one of the hottest girls I've ever seen. Life was good. Well, that lasted until I got to the second year. My second year in college was way different from my first year. Our courses became more demanding, and I had to spend a whole lot more time with my books. I didn't know this at first, and I thought the whole of college was supposed to be fun. I got a D- in one of my major courses, and I got the scare of my life. It got so tough that I wanted to leave. I wanted to just quit and get it over with, but I couldn't. I'm not doing it just for me. My mom's also depending on me and I couldn't let her down. Anyways, when I got that D-, I started to spend more time in the library, away from friends, and even football. I tried to make my education my top priority, and I even got a new circle of friends who helped me study. I gradually started to improve my grades and by the end of the second year, I felt I was going to be okay. And yeah, most of the third year was good. I went back to consistent football practice and even my friends and it didn't affect my grades. One time I was invited to a party and I met a whole bunch of people. We drank and talked throughout the night, 
When they stood up to leave, one of the guys gave me his phone number and told me to call if I'm having problems of any sort. I found that odd because I just met these guys and they sort of looked like they were in a gang or something. I didn't think I'd need to be calling him. I didn't have problems, not there at least. I saved his number anyways. Then comes the beginning of my fourth year of college. The start of my nightmare. During the first week, we had a party at a lake house. I attended because it's the first week. School hasn't gotten hectic yet, plus I really needed to celebrate the fact that I made it that far. By the end of the year, I'll be graduating and I'd begin my journey up the corporate ladder. I walked into the house, greeted some friends and got a drink. Then I spotted one of my course mates at the far end of the room. He looked worried, so I walked over to say hi. Hey man, what's up? I asked as I poured myself a drink at the open bar. He greeted me back and asked me if I'd heard the news. I said no, and he told me that the university has changed one of our major professors, and the new professor is a pain in the butt. I haven't even been to class because it was the first week, and nothing serious really happened. I laughed it off and told him that it couldn't be that bad. He turned to me with a serious face and said, Yeah man, it's that bad. I got a bit scared when he said that, but I shrugged him off. The professors love me, I shouldn't have a problem. Psych. I got to class the next week, two minutes late, and I wasn't allowed into the class. He had a strict rule that says no student would be allowed into the class after him. I thought it was a joke, and he would let me in eventually, but it wasn't. I stayed outside the lecture hall for the duration of the lecture. When the class ended, I ran after the lecturer trying to apologize for my tardiness. I had good reason and I tried to explain, but he didn't want to hear it. At that moment, I knew there was going to be trouble. I've always tried to build good relationships with the professors and none of them have been able to resist my charm, but it was going to be harder than I thought with this particular professor. I gave him the name Professor X because X is the mark he prefers to use on our assignment and test sheets. Anyways, that didn't stop me from trying. I tried to talk to him anytime I could. I'd go to his office for help on his course and even ask smart questions in class, but this even made matters worse. It was as though he saw me as smug and arrogant instead of curious, smart, and hardworking. He started to find the tiniest of reasons to send me out of the lecture hall. I also got one of the lowest scores on his assignments and tests. I didn't let this put me off. I felt like I could still impress him. Maybe that's my daddy issues talking though. Anyways, very close to the end of the second semester, we were supposed to write a paper on a topic Professor X gave. It was an easy subject for me, but I didn't want to rush it. I did all the research I could on the subject, and yeah, I was sure I was going to get an A. But a week to the date of submission, I got a call from home. My mom had to go back to the hospital. She had another MS episode. I dropped everything and drove back home to be by her side. I stayed in the hospital with her throughout the week, and when she could speak, she made me go back to college and turn in my paper. I didn't want to leave her, but she wouldn't have it. I told her I'd be back. Then I got into my car and drove six hours non-stop back to college so I could turn in my paper. I was already one day late, but I felt like there won't be any problem. I know he could be a real eggplant emoji, but even he can't be that callous. I was in for the surprise of my life. I got to campus in the evening and I headed straight for Professor X's office. He wasn't in so I had to wait a while. When he didn't return, I decided to leave and come back the next day. 
But before I did, his assistant came to the office and informed me that he had a late lecture in another department. I decided to go there. I waited two hours outside the lecture hall in the blistering cold. When the lecture ended, I ran up to him and apologized profusely for the late submission. I explained the whole situation to him and he listened with what I thought was a keen interest. When I finished, he called me a deranged liar and kept walking. I was taken aback. How on earth would a person lie about something of that magnitude? I couldn't even begin to fathom how this professor thinks, but I wouldn't let that stop me. I followed him trying to make him see reason. Eventually we got to his office and he looked like he was finally taking pity on me. He accepted my paper and I left happily. I went back to the hospital and stayed with my mom for a few days until she was strong enough to move again. Then I went back to college. A few days later, the test results came in, but to my dismay, I was given an F. What? I checked and checked again. An F? How? Why? I'm sure I had the best report in the whole class. Why would I get an F? I hurried to his office. I was sure that there was a mistake somewhere, and I just had to figure out what was going on and rectify it. I got to Professor X's office, and again, he wasn't in the office. I had to wait until he got back. And when he did, I confronted him about my grades, but he remained adamant. He said he wouldn't change my grades because I didn't submit them on time. I tried explaining again with the whole problem with my mom, but he didn't buy it. He told me he didn't buy it the first time, he just wanted me to leave. I begged and pleaded with him to reconsider. I needed to pass that test to avoid any carryovers. I couldn't afford to get carryovers because that means I won't get to graduate. I'll have to get an extra year, which might make me lose my scholarship. Eventually, I left his office, sad and at a loss for what to do. If I lost the scholarship, I might have to pay the tuition for the extra year myself. I couldn't afford such money. I wanted to report Professor X for unfair grading, but he was well within his rights because I turned in the paper late. Eventually, I got over myself and went to the financial aid office to make inquiries about my standings if I get a carryover. Turns out my GPA was high enough to take a hit without me losing my scholarship. I felt relieved, but that wasn't the end. Professor X had been a real jerk to me, and I wasn't going to let him get away with it. I wanted revenge. For the next few days, I tried to brainstorm ideas on how to get my revenge, but it was my first time, so no ideas were coming to mind. Then I remembered the party I attended the year before, and the group of kinda sketchy guys I met there. I remembered the guy, let's call him Jay, that gave me his number. I pulled up his number on my phone and called him. The next day he came to the campus, and we had lunch together. I explained everything to him, and told him I needed his help for revenge. He agreed without hesitation, and then called the rest of his guys. That evening, we gathered at Jay's place and came up with a plan. We had to filter through some really good plans so we wouldn't end up in jail, but eventually we settled on one. We were gonna kidnap him, hold on I know this sounds bad but I promise it wasn't, and drop him off in another city without any means of return. He would have to hike back for most of the journey. It was solid but we had to carry it out in a way that wouldn't blow back to us. So Jay got his uncle's van and painted it with temporary blue paint. Then we changed the plates of the van, we got some masks too to keep our identity hidden, and a few days later, we set out. We waited until nightfall when he came out of his office to head home. 
then trailed him to a secluded road where there weren't any traffic cameras. There, we picked him up, gagged him, and blindfolded him. He pleaded and begged for his life while we drove, and one of the guys assured him that he wasn't in any danger. I have to confess, I got scared after a while and started to rethink the whole plan. What if we get pulled over by the cops? We could go to jail for kidnapping. I took my concerns to Jay and he told me everything was fine. As long as we weren't going past the speed limit, there wasn't any reason why the cops would pull us over. He was right. After an 8 hour journey, we got to the Great Ohio Desert and pulled over. It was dawn already, so we got him out of the van. He was so scared that I nearly fell over in laughter, but I couldn't. I was wearing a mask, but he might still recognize my voice. I couldn't risk that, so I stayed silent. Jay and the rest of the guys collected his wallet, then destroyed his credit card. They took out the cash, then gave him back the empty wallet. Then they told him where he was and how to get home. When they told him to hike home, he couldn't believe his ears. He watched in amazement as we all got in the car, leaving him in the desert. It took him six days to get back home, and when he did, he looked like a refugee from a warring country. I didn't see him though, that's what his assistant said. He had to be hospitalized of course, and we didn't see him back on campus for over a month. When he came back though, he had to quit, because he suspected that he was kidnapped by students, but he didn't know which student it was, and he was scared that it might happen again. Anyways, I had to redo the course the next year, and I passed it with flying colors. Till today, Professor X didn't know who kidnapped him or why. And because of that, he didn't learn any lesson, but doing it was so satisfying, and that's good enough for me. Now, I'm not positive about how it works in most colleges, but if there's a professor who seems to be specifically treating you unfairly, isn't there some kind of body or administration you can bring concerns up to? I also imagine it's not unheard of for a professor to be so hard. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. ...on not giving any kind of leniency, but it kind of blows my mind that somebody could be open and honest about how their mom is in the hospital and they don't even get like a chance to prove it. They're just told that they're a liar to their face and turned away. Do you think OP went about this in the right way? Literally stranding their professor in the desert? I hope they left them some water. Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. That said, our final story of the day is I set my roommate's room on fire. First things first, 
things got a lot worse than I intended and I promise I'm not an arsonist. You'll understand later. I knew there were risks when I decided to move in with someone off a Craigslist ad, but I always remind my friends that I was desperate whenever they bring it up. It was about two years ago and I was new in the Bay Area. I'd moved away from home to start a job in the city and I didn't have the savings to get a place on my own. And it definitely didn't help that none of my friends were in San Francisco, so I did the next best thing and went to Craigslist. The ad was pretty simple, which I took as a good sign but I should have known that it was an early sign of a psychopath because why would your only requirement for a roommate be that they're female, your age, and working? But I was desperate so I called her and a week later, I was moving into the two bedroom flat with a girl I'll call Helen. Helen was very quiet at the beginning and I'm not even gonna lie, it creeped me out. Every week when I was checking in with my group of friends, I would tell them how I felt like she was hiding a huge secret or some bodies in her room, and we would laugh about it, but after two months of living with her, I was beginning to think that our joke might not be fictional at all. On Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, Helen was gone for hours, and whenever she returned, which was usually after midnight, she spent the rest of the night in her room. Then the next day, she would wake up at 12pm and start meal prepping for the week. That was another thing I never understood about Helen. She was a fitness freak. She went to the gym four times a week and she ate like a three-year-old. Anytime I bought pizza or invited my new friend from work over for a movie and we had popcorn, she would squeeze her nose in disgust and spray the house whenever I was done eating. Later, she would approach me and, of course, quietly, tell me that I was killing myself by eating those things. But I wasn't bothered by these things because I thought they were just typical, insensitive comments that had no weight. But at the two-month mark of moving into the flat with Helen, she started to get really annoying. I would stock up part of my fridge with cheese and cream and all the stuff I like to eat, and she would throw out my stuff, claiming that she thought they were things she accidentally bought. And when I told her they were things I kept in my part of the fridge, which is something we did so groceries don't get mixed up, she would tell me she forgot which section was hers and which wasn't. At that point, I was getting tired of her antics, but breaking the lease would have meant paying all the money I'd saved for getting a place of my own, and I would be back at square zero. So I decided I would just live with it for the rest of the 10 months on the lease, and when I got a salary review, I could leave her and her weirdness behind. Then there was the issue about my friends. When I first moved into the apartment, I took my calls out on the balcony so I didn't interrupt the never-ending quietness in the house whenever Helen was home. I had seen the way she looked at me whenever I had music playing in the living room or had movie night with Sadie, my friend from work, so I was doing everything not to have issues start up with Helen. But after three months or so, I started taking calls in the living area slash kitchen and I warned my friends ahead of time if Helen was around so they wouldn't start talking crap when she was within hearing distance. And it was obvious that Helen didn't like that my friends and I were loud on the phone. There was one time when she passed by while I was on a call, and she said in the loudest voice I heard from her in all the time I'd lived there, there are other people living in this house, you know. That was a wrong thing to say, but I just apologized and told her I was wrapping up my cooking and would get out of her way. She tissed and left and I was pissed about it, but I decided to leave her alone. 
It wasn't that I hadn't tried to be friendly with her, but after asking if she wanted to grab a meal, go for drinks, see a movie, or go to a concert for weeks after moving in, I decided that we were not going to be anything but roommates. And the arrangement worked fine. I didn't know anything about Helen other than the fact that she always had her bills paid on time and she was high on fitness. I didn't even know what she did for work and when I asked, she said it doesn't matter as long as she could pay her part of the bills, so I never asked. But then I found out and it made her mad as heck. Sadie and I went on a bar crawl one particular Saturday with some guys we had met the previous weekend and we were entering the crawl at this dive bar the guys had suggested. As soon as we stepped in, I could hear someone singing from the stage, and I was very happy with the vibe in the bar, already making notes to come back with Sadie or alone. By the time we settled in near the front of the bar, close to the stage, I was shocked to see that it was Helen singing, and Sadie was just as surprised, because Helen had barely spoken to her in the four or five times they had met. But there she was in a very tiny slip dress and belting out Amy Winehouse like her life depended on it. I was shocked to see her in a different light and I was wondering what was so secretive about being a singer that she never shared. But that was answered quickly. About 10 minutes after we got into the bar, Helen switched to a more sexy playlist and she was going round to the guys and some girls in the bar to tease them while singing and they were dropping tips in her cleavage, garters, and the fancy updo her hair was in. Sadie and I exchanged surprise glances, but the guys we were with didn't notice because Helen had just come up to our table. As soon as she saw us, we could see that she was uncomfortable that we had found her, but she went about her business. By the time she was back on stage, Sadie and I were chatting with the guys, and one of them said something super funny, but... Unfortunately, Sadie and I started laughing just as I looked up and caught Helen's eyes. And I knew she thought we were laughing at her, so I gave her a thumbs up, but it must have worsened the situation because she had a stony expression and switched to a playlist of angry love songs. But I was having too much fun to overthink it. By the time I got home the next morning, yes, the crawl slash date had a happy ending, I was sober enough to realize that the air was tense as Helen was meal prepping in the kitchen. After locking the door and hanging my coat, I said, Morning, Helen. You were wonderful last night. I didn't know you were a singer. Instead of answering, she turned around and said, I don't know who you think you are. You think you're so special because of your friends and boyfriends and think you can stalk me to my place of work and make fun of me all night. And I was just dumbstruck. Where was this coming from? Then I remembered her expression when Sadie and I were laughing. So I tried to explain, but she cut me off. Oh, save it. You don't get to come in here and cook up lies. You're a witch, and I honestly wish the leasing agreement wasn't so high. Did I mention that through the shouting, her voice was at the highest I'd ever heard it? And I think that's what made me snap. You know what? I've had enough of you. The nerve to call me a witch when you're the one who's been acting like a creepy jerk for the past three months and making my friends feel uncomfortable with all your weird crap. I don't need your attitude this morning, or frankly ever. We weren't laughing at you because the world doesn't revolve around you. And that's when Helen tried to slap me, but I ducked in time. She was crazy and she looked the part that morning, and I let her know it. You are freaking crazy, do you know that? Stay out of my way or I'll call the cops on you. 
For the rest of the week, I caught her staring at me creepily and gave her the middle finger every time she looked at me too intensely, not saying anything. I wasn't trying to instigate anything, but I had had enough of her drama. And when I told my friends what had happened, they all agreed I didn't need to tiptoe around her anymore. Whatever issues she had, she could deal with them on her own and not make everyone else feel like crap for daring to exist around her. Even Sadie started coming around more often, and we were as loud as we wanted without caring for her knocking things around in the kitchen to grab her attention. A misunderstood laugh at the bar shouldn't have caused so much tension. But for all the BS I had sucked up from her, things could get as dramatic as possible, and I wouldn't bat an eyelid. But then she attacked me where it hurt the most. I was on the phone with Sadie one evening before a major client meeting we had at work, and Helen was in the kitchen while we were talking. I would later realize that she had been eavesdropping, but I didn't pay too much attention to her at the time. A day before the meeting, Helen came to my room an hour before I went to bed and she came with two glasses of juice. She said it was a peace offering because she didn't think the living situation was so bad before my friend and I made fun of her. I told her again that I and my friend hadn't laughed at her, but she brushed it aside and handed me a glass, saying we should leave everything behind. I was suspicious of course, but she said, I promise it's not laced with anything. Here, I'll drink both to show you. And she took huge gulps of both glasses, so... I decided to be the bigger person and accept one glass of juice. She hung around until I took sips of the drink and told me she could wait until I was done so she could take the glass back to the kitchen, but I told her not to bother. By the time I woke up the next morning, I was feeling alright and looking forward to telling Sadie all about the apology juice, but by the time I got to work, I was feeling downright murderous. I was sweating buckets and my intestines felt like they were about to get ruptured and I knew immediately that Helen had done something to my drink. But I couldn't really think it through because all I could think about was finding the restroom. After my third or fourth trip, Sadie said I was looking too pale and got me a cab. When I got home, Helen was in her room and I had to grip the counter for support. She came out a few minutes later looking as pale as I felt and when she saw me, she smiled and said, a small price to pay before shooting me the middle finger. I found the bottle of DocuSate in my bathroom, and I felt that was her telling me to do my worst. So, I did just that. But before I could, I was washing my hair a few days after the laxative incident, when I noticed that it was falling out the more I added shampoo to it, and I knew Helen had tampered with it, which meant she had broken into my room. At that point, I knew she was crazy and I had to get out of the apartment before she tried to kill me off completely but not before getting my revenge. I got a haircut to cover up my chopped strands, and I knew I had to do something she wouldn't be able to cover up. One day, when she left for the gym, I waited for an hour knowing she would soon be back, and I broke into her room, which wasn't difficult, after smashing off her door handle with a hammer. Like the neurotic person I knew she would be, I found her outfits for Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday all labeled in her closet. I piled them up, stuck them in her bathtub, and set them on fire. Then I threw in all her shoes and jewelry before taking a picture of the flame and texting it to her with the caption, Consider the price paid in full. Helen was stepping into the apartment just as I stepped out of her room as it was quickly filling with smoke. I grabbed the fire extinguisher by the door and passed it to her while she ran to our blanket storage to try and stop the fire. 
After a minute or so, the fire died down. And while I'm not sure what her reason was, I like to think that the reason Helen never reported the fire incident was because she realized I was as crazy, if not crazier, than she thought she was. I moved out of the apartment the next week, sent the lease-breaking fee to her, and I never heard from my crazy roommate Helen anymore. And from time to time, I make a joke about setting my friends on fire if they ever mess with me. So although OP here claims that maybe they didn't report them because they think they might be crazier than they were and who knows what somebody that crazy would do if they got reported, right? I'm wondering if the reason why Helen didn't report OP was because it gives OP a platform to discuss what Helen did to OP in the first place, which is drugging them. Maybe they just realized, an eye for an eye, let's not escalate this any further, because OP is pretty crazy. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.